Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sand Hill, FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast you're about to enjoy was given live before the congregation at Sand Hill. It's our desire as a church to live Christ to people while loving people to Christ. We pray that this podcast will invigorate and encourage your walk with Christ because here at Sand Hill, we believe that Christians can still be unwavering in our faith if we hold fast to the absolute truth of God's mighty word. For more sermons like this, as well as additional content, we invite you to visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. We're going to be in the second chapter of Romans, if you want to be finding your place there. Um, This is probably uh, one of the biggest subjects in Christianity, if not the number one subject in Christianity. It's one of the biggest subjects in Christianity. Uh, I have to say, it is probably uh, most people get it wrong. I feel like most churches, even though it's such a big subject, I feel like they get it wrong. Um, and I feel like, if I'm real honest, there's no one in this church that doesn't need this message. But if I could be real transparent this morning before standing before you guys, um, I, I'm, I recognize that this message I'm getting ready to preach is not going to change anybody's life unless the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Amen? Um, in other words, Gary is not going to persuade you to change the way you look at things, uh, but the Holy Spirit can. And so I am I am been pleading with the Holy Spirit to use me, to use my lips, to speak through me, uh, that 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 you might have your eyes opened. Um, you know, like most everything else, I've preached this over and over and over and over again. But until God opens your eyes, things won't change. Amen. So so we're, we're asking that, that God do that. So so if you if you would stand this morning um, and honor God's word and I, if it'd be all right, I'd like to start off with prayer. Um, you guys uh, pray that the Holy Spirit will work through me and pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and then we'll read the text and we'll we'll get into the message. <clears throat> Father, so thankful this morning, what we've already felt, Lord, the great singing and the great testimonies, Lord, and just to your glory, Father, your honor, and I thank you for that. Thank you for our church family, our brothers and sisters. We truly love them, each and every one. Lord, not a one of them that we do not love dearly, and I thank you for that. Thank you for the love that is in this church. Uh, Father, I thank you that there is a real love that is in this church. I thank you, Father, for that. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, I know that I am not adequate to, Lord, to preach your word. I know that I am not worthy to stand here, and Lord, I know that I cannot do this on my own. And Father, I just beg you, Lord, with all that I know to beg you, uh, Lord, that you would get me out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak to your people. And Lord, I pray that each and every one here, our hearts would be open. And Lord, that it would be as though a light came on, Lord, and we would finally see, Lord, the truth of your word. And God, we would uh, obey it, I pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. Amen. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 1. Therefore... Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? 
or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You can be seated. <clears throat> so, uh, just to clarify, big picture, uh, we, we will come back to this at another time, but just big picture, we studied through chapter 1 of Romans. Chapter 1 of Romans, if you will, is talking about the pagan, uh, the person who's not a religious person, the person who is uh, possibly where there is no gospel at. This, this person uh, does not have the understanding of the Bible, does not have maybe a gospel church that they go to, maybe they have a false religion or a cult. But that person is still guilty because there's enough evidence to know there is a God. Amen. And we concluded that and we come down and we finish it up with those real ugly verses that we finished up chapter one with saying that the judgment that comes on them is they get turned over to do these evil things. And if I could just real quickly interject, because I didn't make much comment on it before, but in verse 32 of chapter one, it says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, I don't want to rabbit trail here too far, but do you realize that's where our country is at? We've come to a place where not only do we do evil, but we rejoice in people that do evil. We celebrate uh, being gay. We celebrate shacking up. We celebrate immorality. We celebrate drunkenness. We celebrate those things. Not only do we do them and hide about it, but without any open, we celebrate it. And that is exactly what the Word of God said will happen when you do not turn to God. Amen. So that is chapter one. That is the pagan. That is the person who is not religious. That is the person. We come to chapter two, big picture. And in all of chapter two, we're really going to be looking at the religious person. Now, not the saved person, the religious person, the good, moral, upstanding person who is religious. Can still go to hell. Is that right? Can still go to hell. So that's big picture. We'll come back to that, Lord willing. That, that's not what we're going to preach about this morning, but just big picture. So as you get the picture, chapter 1, pagan, don't have a church, don't have the gospel, they're going to go to hell without Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, the religious person who does everything right and lives by standards and has morals and, 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 and whatever else will go, to, will go to hell without Jesus Christ. Amen? Only one way to get to heaven, Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's what, the, that's what it is about. Uh, we'll come down in chapter 3 or chapter 4 or so, and Paul will say, we have made the conclusion... That everybody is lost without Jesus. That's what the Bible says, right? But that's not what we're going to preach about this morning. So back now, narrowing in just a little bit, again, the biggest subject in Christianity, judging. You know, I bet, interestingly enough, I bet if we go around, if we had a piece of paper, and we just passed out to every last person here, and we would say, what do you think the Bible says about judging? My guess is we get about 15 different answers from you guys. And you know, in Christianity, again, it's one of the biggest subjects there is in all of the Bible. What I mean by that is, it is talked about, it is misunderstood, it is promoted, it is, it is everyone's talking about judging, judging, judging. But do we understand what the Bible says about judging? does not matter what Sam Hill says, does not matter what Gary says, but what does the Bible say about judging? And we ought to know, and it is very, very important. And so let's just, let's just go through these verses a little bit and see if we can come to an understanding. And then we're going to try to find out what the Bible says about judging. <clears throat> so again, if we can think about a person, let, let us paint the picture of who we're talking about here. 
This could be a person who dresses with his Sunday best, comes to church regularly, carries a Bible, doesn't commit adultery, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't watch bad movies. You know, this is a moral person. Okay? Think about that. And this moral person, God said, do you think you're... Uh, he said, thou art inexcusable. There's not an excuse for you, O man... Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Pretty big words. Pretty big words. What is he saying? Here, let, me, let, let, me, let me draw a real clear picture for you. You have enough Bible knowledge to say that brother so-and-so should not be doing that. You have enough Bible knowledge to say that they're wrong in doing that. So you also have enough Bible knowledge to know what you're doing. You shouldn't be doing that either. And you see they're guilty and you want to throw rocks, but you won't look in the mirror and see that it needs to apply to you as well. Now, typically because of the way our, we, we justify ourselves, I, the person I am condemning, I am not doing the same sin as them. So they are, maybe they are telling lies. And I say, I would never lie. I am a good Christian. Now I, I do these other things that are very, very sinful. And God said, do you really think I'm going to let you slide? You want me to condemn them and you don't want me to condemn you. And God said, no, you're not inexcusable. So if you get the picture, thou art, thou condemnest thyself by the words that come out of your mouth. You are saying, I am biblical enough to judge that is wrong. Well, better look in the mirror because it comes to you too. Right? That's what he is saying. <clears throat> For thou that judges doeth the same things. Now, interesting to me that it says things, not thing. It does not say you do the same thing. It says you do the same things. So again, you may not be guilty of the person you're throwing rocks at, but is there any sin in your life? Is there any sin in your life? When Jesus, when the, when the woman was caught in the very act of adultery, what did Jesus say? They all had stones. Moses had said she should be put to death. She was caught in the very act of adultery, very likely brought down there naked in, in shame, saying, I was caught in adultery. Moses had commanded that she should be stoned. And Jesus, what did he say? Go ahead. If you don't have any sin, stone her. <laughs> what do those religious people say? Oh, I remember what I did last week. Maybe I better put my stone down. That's what we all need to do. Right now, now let me say this before I go any further in the message. All of you perfect people here who never do anything wrong and are always sinless, you guys are free to judge as much as you want. But all the rest of us, we got to be careful because we're not perfect. And that's really what this text is saying. That this text is saying that you're unexcusable. Thou condemnest thyself because you're doing a lot of the same sin that makes you guilty. The book of James tells us if we offend in one place, we offend in all. So Jesus is making it clear. The Bible's making it clear that, that we got to be careful about throwing stones, and we have sin in our own life. Okay, stick with me. Um, but then, isn't verse two? Can we all say a big amen to, to verse number two? But we are sure. That the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Can we say amen? amen? 
The judgment of God is truth. God, God's not going to make mistakes. We're not going to get to the day of judgment and somebody slips through. Not going to get to the day of judgment. He didn't catch something. His judgment is perfect. He is omnipotent. He knows it. So every judgment of his will be perfect. Can I tell you that God is just? That is an attribute of God. Uh, that is as much uh, what he is as love or anything else. He cannot judge falsely. His judgment will be right. It has to be right. It can't not be right. And kind of the point of that is, don't we sometimes go around thinking, oh, we got to help God out by pointing out what someone's doing wrong? God, did you see what they did? God, did you see what they did? You got to tell all the church people, did you see what they did? As if God might be saying, oh, I missed that one. I didn't see that happening. I didn't know they were doing something. Thanks for pointing it out to me. Appreciate that. No. God's like, no. Just judgment will be just. Everyone will be judged and judged in this life as well, we might add. <clears throat> and then we go to verse number three. <clears throat> Thinkest thou this old man that judges them which do such things and doeth the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and the forbearance and the long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So again, we are looking here at a good, moral, upstanding, possibly religious person who does uh, all the outward things right, uh, but this person does not have Jesus Christ. This person is not a righteous person. And this person is maybe possibly even looking back at chapter 1 at that pagan, or possibly even looking at someone in the, who's with him there who's not as righteous as he is, and he's throwing stones. And God said, do you really think you're going to escape? You're not sinless. You have sin in your life. And then, and then this is very, very important. In verse number four, if I could just put it in my own words, he talks about goodness and forbearance and long suffering. And what God's really saying is, you want me to judge them? You're irritated because they're getting by with it? And what you don't realize is, I'm holding back my wrath on their sin, but I'm also holding back my wrath on your sin. I could strike you dead right now, just like you want me to strike them dead right now. But I'm being good to them, and you don't even realize that my goodness to them is what might keep you from going to hell. <laughs> right? So, so that, that is kind of the four verses. Again, we'll put it in context more next week. We'll, we'll, we'll begin to, to come to grips with the big picture. But this morning, I want to talk about judging. I want to talk about judging. And I, I get to teach you two things this morning at the same time. Okay, It won't take any longer, hopefully, but I just want to try and teach you two things. We've been trying to really work on this. But this morning, we're going to not only learn the biblical doctrine of judging people, but we're also going to learn how do we come up with accurate uh, doctrine. I've been trying so hard to say that I, I seem like I say it almost every service, but listen, someday I will not be here and it, it should not be, well, this is what Gary said. We ought to be able to go back to the Bible and say, this is why we believe what we believe. And Gary taught us how to know what we believe. So we're going to learn how to come up with, uh, with good doctrine and we're going to also learn this, uh, what the Bible says about judging. So point number one, point number one, the types of judgments. So again, in Christianity today, judging is a big deal. So, so many have said, you know, if you go back about 20, 25 years ago, the number one verse that everybody knew, whether he was a Christian, whether he was a lost person, whether he was a football player or, or someone on the street, was John 3.16. Do you know what the number one verse everyone knows now is? Matthew 7.1. 
Judge not that you be not judged. That, that's the number one verse, right? That, that's, that's paramount. Now think about it. We traded in for God so loved the world for judge not that you be not judged. There's a problem there, right? But that is the number one verse that we all like to talk about. Judge not that you be not judged. So many Christians, many churches, many pastors have come up with this doctrine that says this. We will not judge you. Come to our church. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that even uh, uh, Planet Fitness caught on to that? Have you seen their commercials? Come here if you're fat. We won't judge you. Right? That's what they say. Come in. No judgment here. You know, you're on that treadmill and you're a little heavy. We won't even judge you. Right? So the world's caught on to this. We want no judgment here. Right? And we want a church. They won't judge me. And you can draw a big crowd when you say, if you want to be an alcoholic, if you want to be a drug addict, if you want to beat your spouse, if you want to run around on your companion, if you want to sleep around, if you're a homosexual, hey, you're welcome here. We won't judge you. Draws a crowd. Does it please God? No. Is that biblical? No, but it's a very, very common way of thinking. It's a very, very common way of thinking. Now, here's where I want to try and teach you some judgment. I'm not going to take time to read all these right now. But if you were a pastor, you can go over to uh, Matthew 7, 1, and you can read these words. Judge not that ye be not judged. Is that what the Bible says? That is exactly what the Bible says. And I can preach a message on judge not that you be not judged. And I can take it right out of the Bible. And I can preach for an hour on judge not that ye be not judged. And I am preaching the Bible. But am I preaching the truth? Not preaching the truth. Is anybody getting this? You can take, you know, I, I, I think a lot of you still think, why does he talk about context all the time? And I think a lot of you still don't have a clue what I mean by when I say context. But you can take Matthew 7, 1, and you can build a message. But if you read the whole Bible, you know that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not in context. It is, it is false doctrine. But you can make a message and you can sound pretty uh, spiritual. And you can say, yeah, that preacher down the street, he judges. But we go by the Bible and we don't judge anybody. Right? <laughs> it's not biblical. It's not biblical. So, are you guys with me yet, after all of these years, are you guys with me yet that we can't build doctrine on a verse? We get it all messed up. We got to build doctrine on the Bible. I've said this so many times, but in this church and in any church, I just almost every single false doctrine you'll ever hear. You hear a lot of people say a lot of crazy things. Almost every single one of them comes from someone taking one little verse and trying to make a belief. That's not doctrine. That it, that is a verse out of context. So so a lot of people want to go to, and there are other verses that speak about judging not to be not judged. So a lot of people want to go. So that's a type of judging. One type of judging is we just won't do it, right? We just won't do it. Not biblical, but we're not going to do it. We'll just accept you any way you are. And, you know, I have no problem with Sand Hill Church saying we will accept you however you are. We just hope you'll change once you get here. Right? I mean, you come in just as messed up as you are, and we will love you, and we will accept you, and we will work with you. But we want you to change. But when we say you come in as bad as you are, and we won't judge you, and we don't have any anticipation of you getting any better, we just love you, that is not helping them. And when that person dies and goes to hell, did you really love them? No, you hated them. Right? You don't want to hurt their feelings, so you let them go to hell. Uh, that is not what the Bible calls us to do. 
So let's turn around the other side. We're still under types of judgment. There is not only as there are those churches that says don't judge, but there are those churches that say they're very self-righteous. And boy, if you don't do everything like them, they are just, they're going to be in your face, right? You don't dress like me. You don't act like me. You don't do this. You don't do that. We have these and you don't do that. And very, very judgmental, very, very harsh. You're not just like us. Work just against you. And there's no love. There's no compassion. They're, they're very, very harsh. We've all seen those kind of churches. Amen. But here's something I've noticed all my life. This is, you know, I got an analytical mind. It gets me in all kinds of trouble. If I could just be like the rest of you, not think at all. But when you get to think about these things, it doesn't make any sense. I've seen those people who wear a certain kind of clothes who do certain things, they have all these lists of rules you have to live by, and boy, if you don't live up to their rules, they're just down your throat. I mean, they're ugly down your throat. But some of those people are miserable and hateful and mean, have horrible marriages, have no relationship with their kids, nobody in the church can't stand them, but praise God, they wear the right kind of clothes. Hey, man! Praise God, they, you know, they, they, they would never ever dream of drinking alcohol, but they don't have a bit of problem doing this sin over here. And God said, you really think that's going to work? You really think that's going to work? So, so there is that don't judge anybody, and then there is I'm going to judge everybody by my rules and my standards and my beliefs, and I'm not going to worry about the things I'm doing wrong. And here's the thing as a pastor... And I, 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 I'm thankful that I can preach this message this morning and I don't have to preach it at anybody because I don't feel like this is, a, this is a big thing that we're doing wrong here. But I do think we need to come to an understanding because I think a lot of us don't understand this. But, here, but here's the thing. A lot of those people that, that, are, that are so judgmental on, on other people's sins, you know what you can't do to them? You can't preach to them about their sins. Now, if they believe in dressing a certain way and you get up and preach on dressing that way, they will shout the house down with you. But if you preach at their sins, they'll look at you with a blank stare and have no clue what you're talking about. Because <laughs> they are very righteous in their own sight. And they won't see that there's anything wrong with them. So they're just condemning everybody else and they're not looking in the mirror. Title of the message this morning is, We Need a Mirror. Can I just tell you, we need a mirror. Can I tell you, your pastor needs a mirror. If we'd look in the mirror, I would be very afraid to condemn any of you. Because I am very dirty. Until we understand that, we're going to get this wrong. We're going to try and prove that to you this morning. So there's two types of judging. There's the, there's the judging, or oh, we're not going to judge. Then there's the self-righteous judging. And then there's another one that has popped up of recent. And, and, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but I've heard, I've heard this in this church going on in this church. So we have those over here we don't judge anybody. Okay, Bible says judge not be not judged, so we don't judge anybody. We have those over here who are very self-righteous and very con- condemning of everybody, condescending to everybody, and can't see their own sin. And then we have a new group that I don't believe has been, they're just kind of now just springing up. You know what that group is? They're scared to death to fit into either camp. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those that judge wrongly, and I don't want to be one of those that judge harshly, so I'm in the middle and I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I thought we weren't allowed to judge. I'm afraid to. But I don't want to be like this person over here either because they're kind of ugly. So I'm afraid, which, and I don't want to be. And so as Christians, we're in a place where, what are we supposed to do if someone does something wrong? <laughs> what are we supposed to do? 
I mean, I think the devil has actually got us in a place. I think people in this church have actually got themselves. I think we've come to a place because of all those people saying, do not judge. It is a sin. And then we have all those who are judging so harshly that it is a sin. And I think we've actually got to a place that if someone comes to the church and they're doing something wrong, we're like, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do. Are we allowed to say anything's wrong? We just let them do it. We don't know. I think we need to figure out what the Bible says. Oh, because let me just give you guys, I'm going to prophesy something here. I'm going to prophesy something. We're going to have people do things they shouldn't do in this church. Okay, I'll prophesy it here, okay? We ought to know what to do when that happens. We're going to close our eyes and not judge anybody. We're going to be real condescending and throw rocks and, and be real self-righteous. We're going to be like the third group and say, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm afraid of, I don't know which one I'm supposed to do. None of those are biblical and none of those are right. So the question we have to ask is, what does the Bible command on judging? So point number two, point number two, terms for judgment, terms for judgment. First chapter has already concluded that the pagan, the immoral person, that person in Sandusky, Ohio, who was not raised in church, who does not know the gospel, who's never been in church a day in her life, who did not have a Christian grandma and grandpa, who doesn't have a Christian mom and dad, who is just completely out there. The Bible has concluded if they do not find Jesus Christ, they will die and go to hell. Yeah. Amen. That's why we need to take them, Jesus Christ. Amen. So they don't die and go to hell. So they will die and go to hell without, without that. That immoral person who does not have religion. The Bible's concluded that God is just. But in Luke chapter 12, don't turn over there. But in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 48, it says this. He who knew not the commandment and broke it will receive fewer stripes. And he who knew to do good and didn't do it will receive many stripes. Do you get what that means? That means if you have enough Bible knowledge to be judging somebody else, God's going to be a lot harder on you than he is on someone who's downtown Sandusky doing terrible things who never had any Christian teaching. Right? So the terms of judgment, the terms of judgment is you're going to be guilty without Jesus Christ. You're going to die and go to hell. The terms of judgment are God is going to judge everyone who sins. But the terms of judgment are also this, that by knowledge you will be judged. So if you know nothing, the, the severity of the, 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 the discipline will be less than if you know more. Book of James says, I believe it's 3.1, he said, Be not many masters, for they shall receive the, the stricter judgment. You know what that says? You want to be a teacher? You want to be a preacher? You want to be someone who's held up high? You want to say I know the Bible well guess what God's going to hold you to a higher standard than everybody else because you know the Bible so be real careful when you start pointing fingers because you got a magnifying glass on you amen Amen? you got a magnifying glass on you so there are those terms of endurance there's the there's the way God will judge those who don't know there's a way God will judge those who do know of whom much is given much shall be required God is just. So, are you guys with me? Does this make any sense at all? So let's, let's go on down into where we need to be. Uh, point number three, the treatment of mercy. So if we jump back to verse number four, he says in verse number four, he says, uh, so if you look at this, this person, this moral person, this religious person, he is despising, he is looking down on, he is critical that God is good and that God is long-suffering and that God is forbearing. And what, do you, what does the person say? That person over there, they're just doing all this sin. God, are you going to let them get by with that? And God is allowing them to continue on. That mercy... God is giving them 
that they might get in. But isn't Brother Allen such a, such a blessing to this whole entire church? Doesn't this whole church just, isn't he just such a blessing? And, and, and you know, how many, of, how many of us would have the whatever it is to stand up here and say what he said this morning? Just to be honest and say, hey, I've not always been what I should have been, right? No pretense, no falsehood here. I'm just not, but I know today I am saved. Praise God. Praise God. See, we need to come to a place we understand. See, God could have, and Brother Anna, I hope it's all right that I use you for an example this morning, but God could have took him out years ago. He's told me stories. I won't share them publicly, but he's told me stories. He really should have died a long time ago. He t- <laughs> you go talk about that. He should have died like four or five times. I talk about he went this close to death. He should have died, and he didn't. And he would have been in hell today burning, but God had mercy. And God let him get his sins under the blood. And God lets him now go to heaven. And someone looks and says, why are you letting him get by with that? And what God says, do you realize the same mercy I showed him is what you're going to need if you make it to heaven? (laughs) Right? And Brother Allen's kind of excited for the fact that he's not going to hell because he realizes he should. But can I just say that all you people that were saved when you were a little kid, you ought to be shouting hallelujah that you don't have to go to hell because God could have let you go down that road. And so we ought to celebrate the forbearance of God that he doesn't just strike us all dead, right? And Brother Ann just stood up here and said, I don't deserve this. Well, none of us do. And the truth is, he says, I know I deserved death and hell a long time ago. Well, so did all of us. Amen? And now when you have that attitude, it's a little hard then to be judgmental. Am I, is anybody getting this? We need mercy. We need grace. We need long-suffering. Boy, aren't you glad God's long-suffering? Boy, I'm talking about since I've been saved. I am so glad God is long-suffering because I need it. Because I keep messing up and messing up and messing up and messing up. But God's long-suffering. He loves me. He's patient. He's kind. He has forbearance. He doesn't just snuff me out. I've said so many times, God, why do you let me continue on? Because he's long-suffering. But when he's doing it with you guys, I could get an attitude and say, why are you being so long-suffering with them? Is you guys getting this? We, we, ju- judgment isn't, if we, if we put ourselves in there first, judgment would change the way we would look at it. So the treatment of mercy, there's the delaying of wrath. Could have struck him dead while he was lost. I had mercy until he got his sins under the blood. There's that delaying of wrath. There's the undeserving sinner uh, that is forgiven. There are a multitude of people who have done horrible, horrible, horrible things. And I, and I just love to be able to stand up here anytime I'm preaching and be able to say, if you're here this morning, it does not matter what sin you have committed. If you're watching online, it doesn't matter if you're a rapist, it doesn't matter if you're a murderer, it doesn't matter if you're a child molester, it doesn't matter what, how much immorality, it does not matter. God can forgive you of all of your sins and save your soul. So God's treatment, His treatment of mercy is He saves sinners. That's why He came, to save sinners. I don't, know if, I don't know if you guys are getting this picture or not. There are numerous ones of us here who have been raised in church and had Christian parents and been brought to church and got saved when we were little kids and maybe we didn't wander out there in the wilderness. But did you ever think about all of you that fit that description? Did you ever think about where you'd be if you hadn't had that? Take away my Christian mom and dad. Take away my grandparents. Take away my family influence. Take away the Sand Hill Church. And I'm dropped down into an evil family whose dad is an is a immoral drunk. Where would I be today? What would I have done? See, God spared me. Are we seeing the picture? Listen, people, we're not any better than anybody else. 
God, we could have went down that road just as easily as somebody else. So, so God's uh, treatment of mercy. <clears throat> and, and here's what we really got to see. I want everybody to see this. I don't feel like I'm painting a very good picture. I don't feel like you guys are getting it. Can you guys see the goodness of God? Can you see that you don't deserve it? The devil wants to blind us to how bad we are. It is precious to me. I talked about Alan a lot, and I know I use him for an example all the time. But it is precious to me when I talk to him. He hasn't forgot. He hasn't forgot that feeling of knowing I'll go to hell. He shared stories with me of, of near death, nearly dying. And in his heart, he knew if I don't wake up, I'll be burning in hell forever. And today, he knows he's saved. He hadn't forgot those feelings. He said, praise God, I'm saved. And when we forget that, when we don't realize how good God is, when we forget his mercy and his grace, we begin, we begin to judge falsely because we forget how good God's been to us. But when we're overwhelmed with the goodness of God, how merciful he's been. And can I just tell all of you people that are sitting here, since you've been a Christian, has God been merciful to you? Has God been patient with you? Has God been long-suffering with you since you've been saved? How many of you like me have been saved 40, 50 years and you have really, really, really messed up a lot since you've been saved and God had mercy and God said that is how you're supposed to look at your brothers and sisters is anybody getting this picture that's how you're supposed to look at your brothers and sisters so I look at sister Georgie and I say oh God she is just such a mess and oh my gosh wait, wait. and she's just and, and, I was, and God said uh, did you look in the mirror and I look in the mirror and I said oh God help me and her both because we're really both messed up right that's judgment you see, it's not excusing the sin. It's realizing I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. I can't throw stones because, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, but I just wonder if them Pharisees who had them big old rocks was ready to stone that adulteress. I wonder if they thought, man, if I throw this rock and they find out what I did, they're going to be throwing them at me. I'll be down there underneath that rock pile. <laughs> I better put this thing down before they throw it at me, Right. If I'm going to condemn someone else in the church and I recognize I'm guilty too and I want to get rid of them out of the church, I might recognize if you guys figured out you're going to get rid of me too. And then I jump over on their side and say, listen, we're both having a hard time here. Can you help us both out? And can I tell you, that's church. That's church. That's what church is supposed to be. We're not compromising sin. We're not not judging people for doing things wrong. We're not going to say you come in here and we're never going to tell you that you did anything wrong. What we are going to say is we're going to realize we're all a whole bunch of messed up people who need the grace of God, who won't make it to heaven without the grace of God. And if you're messed up, I'm messed up. We need to just help each other instead of throwing stones at each other. And I'd say that would change a whole lot of things. That would change a whole lot of things. There's, a, there's the parable that we all know about the man who owed a great debt. You know, they, people have calculated up how much it was, but, but millions of dollars. And there's no way he could, he could pay the debt. And his master said, I forgive you. I forgive you everything. And he went out and he was so happy. And then his fellow servant owed him just 50 bucks. And he said, until you pay me that, I'm putting you in prison. And Jesus was mad. <laughs> Jesus was mad. Does anybody here want Jesus to be mad at you? Does anybody want Jesus to be mad at you? That person who had been forgiven all of their great sins would not let someone else have a little violation and held them and held them harshly. And God was mad at them. And that's what I'm trying to get to all of you. 
We're not going to be a church that doesn't cause sin sin. We're not going to be a church that allows people to do things they shouldn't. We're not going to uh, uh, try to uh, keep from hurting anyone's feelings because we're not going to talk about sin. But we ought to be a church that realizes we all need mercy, we all need grace, and none of us have a place to throw rocks because we're all guilty. We're all sinful. You've all heard this before. Um, but um, Brother Tom, our deacon, I wonder right now if we could wire it up to his brain and we could put everything on that TV right there that he has thought this past week. I wonder how Brother Tom would feel about that. Now, you know, I would judge him probably one of the better Christians in the entire church. But do you think he'd be comfortable with us knowing everything he's thought this past week? I sure wouldn't want you guys to know what I've thought this past week. Are you guys with me? We don't have any perfect people here. We, we don't have any perfect people here. We don't have a perfect pastor. We don't have perfect deacons. We don't have any perfect people here. And my point is this. If I know that if you guys knew what I was thinking because it was on a TV screen, you guys would get rid of me. How can I be so harsh on you guys when you guys don't do what you're supposed to do? Because we're all just messed up people. And that's the point of the Bible. We all need grace. We all need mercy. We can't make it without it. And if I withhold it from you, but expect God to give it to me, Brother Allen, I am a hypocrite. Did you guys get that? Can I better run that past you again? If I say, get Bessie because she did wrong, but God have mercy on me, you know I didn't mean it, I am a hypocrite. I am nothing but a hypocrite. What I need to say is me and Bessie both need some mercy, God. That's what we both need right now, right? And, 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 and that is how we're supposed to judge. <clears throat> So let's go over, turn with me, because I want you to read this. I'll go to the book of Luke, and we'll read this, and we'll try to give you a little application, and we'll bring this thing in for them. But Luke chapter 6 really spells this out so very plainly. And I believe, again, we're trying to learn proper doctrine. We can take a verse out of context, but when you read all of the Scripture, I think it's pretty clear how we're supposed to be. But here in the book of Luke, chapter 6, again in verse 37, we start out with the similar things we've already said is in Matthew 7 and 1. It says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged, and condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. So that's, we take that verse out of context, that sounds like we just never judge anybody. But then we go on. And he begins to explain the fact, we go down into verses 41 and 42, and we go down there, and he begins to say, you're trying to get that little splinter out of their eye, and you got a telephone pole sticking out of your eye. Maybe you ought to get that telephone pole out of your eye first. Before you, How many would like to have someone working with, with real sharp tweezers on your eye when they got a telephone pole sticking out of their eye? <laughs> right? And that's what, and you say, why, that, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but, but what, what Jesus is trying to get the point across here is, you're judging and you have sin. I said this morning, if you're here this morning and you're perfect, you are perfectly free to judge all of us. But if you're here and you have sin in your life, we need to be careful how we do it. So Jesus goes on and tells them, he said, you first need to get that out of your eye. Get yourself taken care of before you start throwing, throwing things at other people. So, so, that is, uh, so we're, we're not stuck with judge not to be not judged. We are stuck with don't judge unrighteous and realize what situation you're in and realize the sin is in your life. And when you come to the, can I just make you a promise? 
I really think that this is something that needs to be shouted from the rooftops. The whole wide world needs to hear this, and the church needs to hear this. But can I just say this? If you ever come to the conclusion, I got all my sin cleaned up, you are in really, really bad shape. Because you do not. You do not. The devil's got you blinded, you're self-righteous, and you're prideful, and you're sinful. Because I promise you, I passed you guys for a long time. There ain't none of you guys that are sinless. Okay? There's none of you guys that are sinless. All of you guys have sin in your lives. Listen, that old thinking that says if we have sin in our lives, we're not going to go to heaven, and so we have to be perfect and sinless, that is false doctrine. We're not sinless. We are sinful people. And as sinful people, we ought to just love on each other, and we ought to all, all of us, every last one of us, look up together and say, oh God, have mercy on every last one of us. Right? Instead of judgment. So, so, so the idea here is you have sin in your life. You better be real careful. And you better get that sin taken care of. And here's the idea. And that's what I said, what I just did. If you get that telephone pole out of your eye, guess what? There's a two by four coming. And then a, and, and then a four by four, right? And then, and in other words, you, it's just, the sin are just always going to be there. You're, you're never going to, oh, I got it out. Now I can, now I can really work on you. No. We're just messed up people. But then he goes down in, in verses 43 and 44 and 45. I'm not going to read all these, but you guys go back and read it. But if you look it over, he begins to speak about how a good tree brings forth good fruit and a bad tree brings forth bad fruit. But this is really, really important. And I'm trying to help you guys more, and I hope the Holy Spirit is helping you guys. But, but let's look at uh, verse 45. I will read that uh, same chapter here, uh, Luke 6, 45. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Now if we put all that in context... And put all that together. If we go from 37 to 45, and we take all that into context, let me see if I can help you understand that. I can say these words. Well, I know I'm a nobody, and I know I have sin in my life, and I can put on this charade of being humble, but when I go pointing fingers and saying how bad you are, and everybody knows how bad I am, out of the words of my mouth come out of the abundance of my heart. You know what my heart is saying? I'm really better than you guys. Your sin's a lot worse than my sin. The, my heart is showing. My, what comes out of your mouth is showing what's in your heart. And what's in your heart is, is that you're prideful and you think you're better than everybody else. I, am I making sense to anybody? And so what should be coming out of my mouth? Now again, I can try to say those humble words that make it sound like I'm nobody, but if I really, truly, honestly judge myself and really, truly, honestly realize how wretched I am, the Apostle Paul, greatest Christian ever walked, when he finished uh, the seventh chapter of Romans, what did he say? Oh, wretched man that I am. That's me. And he also said, and I am the chief of sinners. Right? So... If that's Paul, where does that put me and you? So out of the abundance of my heart, you know what should be coming forth? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Brother Terry, he's, he's all messed up and he's sinful, but oh, God, have mercy. And Sister Wilma, she's not what she's supposed to be, but oh, God, have mercy. We all need your mercy. And Brother Allen, he sometimes feels, oh, but God, please have mercy. We need your mercy. And oh, God, Sister Bessie, we, I know she failed you, but God, please have mercy because we all failed you. And God, I need your mercy. Please uh, have mercy on us. We're messed up. And I'm afraid to, out of the abundance of my heart, say how righteous I am and bad there because I know I looked in the mirror. I'm not good. I'm bad. And if we did that, we could have a church. We could just love everybody. Amen?
it's easy to say, well, you don't come to church as much as I do. But what if that person looked back and said, yeah, but I don't treat my husband like you do. Yeah, but you don't read your Bible as much as I do. Yeah, but I don't have a bad attitude like you do either. Well, if you say, well, you know, whatever, we're just so, you're, you're a gossip. Yeah, but you hold grudges. See what I'm saying? We can look around and we can point fingers and we can, we can criticize and we can ridicule. But if we look in the mirror, I really believe we'd be afraid to criticize very much. We all be down on our knees. You know, that, that Pharisee and that Sadducee went up to the temple and that Pharisee stood up there and he beat his breast and he said, I'm so thankful I'm not like him. I mean, I fast, I tithe, I read my Bible, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I am, and I, Lord, most of all, I'm just thankful I'm not like him. And that Sadducee said he wouldn't even lift up his eyes, smote his breast and he said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And you know what Jesus Christ said? That Sadducee went away justified, and the Pharisee did not. So which one do you want to be like? Am I getting anywhere with this message? See, going forward, I've preached this over and over and over again. If we have a homosexual couple shows up here, we ought to love them to death. We had to absolutely make them welcome. We had to love them. If we have a couple come in here and they're living together, we had to love them. If we come in here and someone smells like a bar and they're, they're just a, a drunken alcoholic, we had to love them to death. Anyone who comes in, if someone comes in here who's got the worst reputation, we had to absolutely love them to death. We had to treat them kind. We had to love them. We had to work on getting them saved. And as they're going through the process of getting where they're supposed to be, we ought to love them. And when they truly get their sins under the blood and they still make a bunch of mistakes, we ought to be loving them while they're making those mistakes until they get where they need to be. And if if it's, if instead of throwing rocks and pointing fingers, if we were there right there with them saying, listen, we're, we're in this together, we're messed up too, we could get them to Jesus and where they need to be. Do you know how many people, the reason they don't come to church is because they're so down on themselves and they know as soon as they come in, there'll be people down on them here and they won't come in because of that? Listen, there's no place for that. Unless you're perfect, then you get to do that, okay? Okay. <laughs> if you're perfect, you can do that, all right? And I believe this is biblical judgment. I believe biblical judgment is, is putting ourselves, looking in the mirror, seeing that telephone pole sticking out of my eye, judging myself, realizing I need mercy every day, and being kind to those who are struggling along with me. Let me, let me. let me say this just real quick, and maybe this won't make sense to anybody, but I've had this brought up, and, and those of you that have been here a real long time... <laughs> I got this analytical mind. It drives me crazy. It's, uh, uh, it, it keeps me from uh, just doing things simple. Okay, But years and years and years ago, things used to be a little different in church. And, 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 then, and then we come to today and it's like, Gary doesn't do things like we used to do. So here's my problem. I, I cannot tell you, I, I literally, if, if I was to roll it down, I, it seems like to me it's just been dozens of times. But I cannot tell you the times that people have come to me and said, Pastor, you need to take their name off the book. Look at what they're doing. You need, you need to take their name off the book. They are sinning. Where's my problem? So is all the other people's names on the book. <laughs> so now we have, I can't be a member and neither can anybody else here and we'll take that one off too. <laughs> okay? Now, if someone is blatantly unrepentant and they're just, I'm going to sin, I don't care about God and I'm back, you know, we understand that's a whole different story. But when someone is coming here and they're trying to live a Christian life and they're messing up. Now, 
I should stop while I'm ahead. Right now I'm ahead. I'm going to get behind here just in a second. Okay, I should stop right now. Here's what I know as your pastor. A lot of people who have come to me saying, why don't you deal with them? The thought that was going through your pastor's mind is, I've seen what you do. It is worse than what they do. That's a thought going through my mind. Your sin makes you need to be thrown out of this church. And you want me to throw them out of this church. And you're mad at me because I won't take action. But if I took action against them, you'd be on my side. But if I took action against you, you'd be telling everybody how bad I am. And the truth is, we're just all messed up. (laughs) We need mercy. We need grace. We're all in this together. Cherish your church month. We ought to just love each other. We ought to recognize we're all messed up. Really what we ought to do, the biblical thing to do, the right thing to do, if someone's not coming to church, if someone won't come to church, they're not attending Sunday school, they're not attending Sunday night, they're not attending Wednesday, they're, they're not coming like they should. You know what the proper thing is? Not to go and run, run them down and say how terrible they are and I just don't have it. You know what the proper thing is? Honey, I love you. Why don't you come sit beside me? I'd love to have you here with me. I didn't used to come on Sunday night either, but I just learned how much good it did me. Isn't that different than, oh, man, I can't believe, they must just not love Jesus, they don't come to church very good. Is anybody with me this morning? That's how we act. We're so self-righteous and we're so condescending. We're so po- Listen, that's not going to get anybody closer to God. You're not going to get people closer to God. Set an example, love them, and have some mercy. And we can get people closer to God. We need examples, but we don't need self-righteousness. Amen? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.